I think what you're sensing, and I'm sure a lot of you don't deeply know me, like I'm very comfortable in my own skin. I'm comfortable with my politically correct shortcomings because it's my life and my kid's life and my wife's life. Like I know what's happening inside our four walls. So I just wish more people would feel comfortable. I think if you're happy, so much more happens. So I know a lot of people, this one, this one woman's a CEO of a company I invest in, she's amazing. She feels the need to check the box to the world, to her mother, to her friends, that she comes home and spends more time with her family. But every minute she's in that house, I'm getting emails from her on questions about the business. She's not there. And I told her, I was like, you need to, and she's not perfectly happy because of it. Because she doesn't want to be home. She wants to be running her business. She loves her family. She's just on fire and she wants it. And so like, I just don't think people understand how long-term life is. You know, like, there's a lot of different ways to do it. Everybody has their own way. You're looking at a kid, not anymore, but you're looking at a guy whose dad I didn't see from the ages of seven until 14, ever. And we were, my parents were together. It's just that he left before I woke up and he came home after I went to sleep. And I love my dad more than breathing. Me and my dad have it awesome. I think we've gotten into a very hardcore politically correct zone where for some reason between social media and just the topics of the day, everybody wants to impose their point of view of the world on other people and I think that's stupid. So so on the work-life balance thing, I've got my thing. It's what feels right. I, I think everybody in here has to keep themselves happy first. Then you can make other people happy. And and it evolves and it changes. I mean, I'm not convinced that I might not just one year wake up and just check out for a year, just cause. I might, just, I don't know. It's, it's funny to me that it runs through my head sometimes. Maybe in between businesses if something happens, I don't know, I don't know. But right now I can tell you like, hustling, producing for my family, producing for myself, producing for my employees and my team, and producing content for you guys, it, I'm as happy as it gets. Let's talk about Birmingham for a second. Okay. This question comes from Michael Gerard, Executive Vice President at TechLinks. What is the one thing that we can do here in Birmingham as a community to grow the technology community? Uh, what local entities need to be involved? What can we do to make it successful? You need a win. And what I mean by a win, I mean not win. You need a win. And so I think a lot of communities, and I've spent a lot of time, obviously we opened an office in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I, I helped kick off Big Omaha. It was a canceled conference that I had committed to and it's gone on to become a big deal. Uh, I got an email from a kid yesterday in Oklahoma City because I went there in 2009 that a bunch of the leaders in the market said, holy crap, wait a minute, we all started our business after that Gary V talk. So bringing in Scoble and things of that nature, this, I mean, this is unbelievably important, right? Like so many more people are asking me questions about you guys today, right now, on social, why are you there, what's going on? But you don't need to bring anybody, me, Scoble, anything. The real win for any community is you need to support each other and get a win. A company coming from this town that makes a global or at least a national impact on the scene is what it takes to take a city and put it on the map. That's just the truth. And so, you know, we need a big exit. Look, LA was a, it's not, it's not that you need a big exit. I don't want to play the VC game. You don't need a big round. You don't need a big, you need a big impact, right? Like, you need a big impact. Like, guys, Snapchat coming out of LA has changed LA tech. And LA is a big city, right? But these things matter. GoDaddy in Arizona, these things matter. 
even Diwala, you know, a lot of these companies start in places what you need to figure out, what the city needs to figure out is I'm positive and, I'm, and you guys know me, I'm not pandering to you, I don't give a shit how you feel about me. I'm positive that something amazing will come out of here. My concern is as soon as it starts happening, you're gonna move to San Francisco. And that's what happens. Facebook was started in Boston. Pinterest was started in Pennsylvania. So the key is not only to fester the community to help each other tech-wise, marketing-wise, to have a win, but then what can you guys do from a city and state level to make that person or that team want to ground themselves here for the long haul? And everybody that comes from a smaller town than a top five city always feels like they have to go to one of those cities to make it because of the tech talent or the venture capital. I I believe that to not be true anymore because of the infrastructure around the internet marketing world today. So that's that's the truth. You can do a lot of events, you can do a lot of marketing, but what you need is a win. And I think if you get really back to the opening line here today, 5149, giving more to others, if you've got a business in this community that is not a direct competitor of your business and you have more marketing chops or you have more technical chops, cross-pollinating and helping each other is exactly what small towns can do better than big towns and I highly recommend that southern hospitality that is deeply rooted in your DNA to begin with that you figure out how to use that in a business environment as well because the impact of one of those people popping and winning will have a bigger ROI on your business as a halo effect than if you do it separately. I know it's cool being here, it's true, thanks for the claps, but what's even more interesting is I think it's, you know, back to stereotypes, I think it's more natural in you. I can tell you right now, there's not a lot of people from Jersey that are just gonna hook it up. You know, and so like, I do think that you should take it, I think everybody should bet on their strengths and I think that sense of community that you guys have is very real and you should take full advantage of it. And I think the entrepreneurs in the audience get into the sharp elbows entrepreneur DNA and leave a little bit of that DNA of Southern hospitality on the side and I actually think they should go completely the other way. Yeah, I mean, culturally we have a lot of advantages because that is the culture. A hundred percent. And technology makes it to where you can level the playing field from Birmingham Because it's leveled. You know, I, well I think, I, think it, I think there's a lot of things. I think it's just momentum. You know, again, being somebody who's kicked off and been at the inaugural conference of a lot of small cities by comparison to New York, San Francisco, it's stunning with something just like this. It's unbelievable. I'm so proud to be here. I definitely think with all the stories I get to tell my children and grandchildren one day, the fact that during this 20 year era that I went and used my micro fame within the community to go to places that were not New York and LA and San Francisco and in any small part, because look, I'm just flying through. It's you guys, it's you guys that are actually making it happen. But to even be .0001 of the narrative of being at the first conference, bending, changing my schedules, doing it for less, all those things, it feels nice and I'm, I'm proud of that. Let's get back into... Uh... Like I think the number one flaw in client services is you book a 30 minute meeting, it's actually eight minutes of work, but since your Google Calendar says it's 30, you just are a human and you waste 22 minutes. So I'm big on four minute, seven minute, 11 minute meetings. Um, we've, AJ is the best at this. 
he, he like tried to mandate it, you know, and like cut things. You know, I think that I try to inspire it through my own actions, but I'm very aware of human uh, tendencies and shortcomings and it just, you try to bring it up ever so often, but it's a very difficult challenge. I think, I think uh, most humans are, are just not smart with their time management. Next question from Jacob Kirschenbaum. What has caused the rise of live streaming media while the market has shifted to delayed consumption like Netflix, Hulu? Um, they're just two micro kind of trends. They both work. Like, you know, I always say to people, like, I really believe that you will watch a five and a half hour movie. Like, I think, how many people here, if the next Star Wars is five and a half hours, would be thrilled to go watch it? Raise your hands. That's insane. Five and a half hours. Nerds. <laughs> I'd run there, opening night. Midnight to five in the morning and go to work, in. You know, so I think great content can make somebody watch for five and a half hours. I also know there's a ton of people in here that stopped watching a six second Vine after three seconds. The length of your content is not the variable of its quality. And so we're gonna always wanna watch two hour movies and one hour TV shows but we also want to watch live streaming. So they're just two different macro trends. I don't think they're conflicting. I think one thing we have to recognize is we only have 24 hours in a day, and so if you're allocating three, six, whatever hours to entertainment, they may come in the form of Netflix, they may come in the form of live streaming, they may come in the form of just searching Instagram all day. It's incredible the length of time some of you are spending in Snapchat stories, like, right? And so I think, um, I think the bigger issue at hand is that the cell phone is just so much the remote control of our lives. And I think sooner than later we'll control what we watch on TV more and more. Obviously things like augmented reality, definitely social and video in there. And so what's allowing it is just tech infrastructure. As Wi-Fi gets stronger, as bandwidth gets stronger, more powerful, and you're not buffering when you're watching high quality video from the over the top networks, it's time, right? And so, you know, I, some guy, back to Star Wars, I flew from New York to LA and watched somebody sitting next to me watch the entire latest Star Wars on their phone on the flight out. And why I thought that was super important is everybody in Hollywood's like, no, big theaters and you need the right stuff. This guy watched it on his phone. People grossly underestimate how much we love the story. We love production, we love a lot of things, but we love stories. And stories can come in any form. I broke out on YouTube in 2006 doing a show called Wine Library TV. And I don't know if any, how many of you ever saw Wine Library TV? Thank you. So, thanks mom. And so, and so as some of you might remember, I mean, I looked like a hostage in the Middle East. I mean, there was no audio. I never wore a mic. There was no lighting. I mean, you know, it wasn't the production value that made it work. It was the content that was coming out of my mouth. And so I think that we get caught up some way to, so many people get caught up in the production value. And look, DRock's come into my life and clearly it's taught me there's plenty of value in that as well, but it's not an either or. And you don't have to do both every time. And so I don't think there's anything without the story. If the story blows, you don't care about the special effects. At, at your core, is that what you are? A hundred percent. 100%. Whether I was storytelling the wines of New Zealand, you know, Australia and Spain before anybody in America, whether I was storytelling me 
and whether I'm storytelling businesses around me, that's exactly what I am. And, and for me, I got lucky because I think the world went in a direction that matched my natural skill set in storytelling. I'm comfortable in very fast, off the cuff, you know, raw, real, authentic. It's just, it's matched me, so I'm very grateful to be born in this era because I wasn't moving to Hollywood in 1974 to make it, right? That's, you know, I was 32 years old. 30, I was 30, you know, I was 31 years old when I started Wine Library TV. It was the first time I ever made a video for the world. So I wasn't in the mindset of I'm gonna become a personality. I'm a businessman who happens to be a little bit charismatic.